Uh, all right, welcome back to the One Yard Short podcast. Uh, it's just me and Eric today. Sorry to disappoint any of you who are hoping for the men on the moon again, but uh, yeah, we're getting right back into the swing of things, and we're doing our first uh, exclusively college football episode. You know, we've done a an episode on the MLB exclusively and the um, NBA and NFL as well, but we haven't really talked a whole lot about college football, and I. I know me and Eric are both pretty big on college football, so uh, this will be a, f- a first for us, and we'll uh, we'll probably get uh, pretty pretty into things here today. So uh, we'll go through our um, Heisman picks through the uh, about midway point of the season, and then we'll do some predictions for the rest of the year, and we'll end off with our um, playoff predictions. So uh, why don't you start us off with some honorable mentions for the Heisman picks? Ooh, honorable mentions. Um. Damn, I have I have a lot. Yeah, so do I. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's only like four or five. That's about how many I have. <laughs> um, I'll start off with uh, one. Um, you know, it's part of like the one of the best teams in college football ever, and uh, he's the only thing that doubts this guy to win Heisman is because he's a second option. But uh, for me, one of my honorable mentions, uh, when I watched the Alabama game, you know, he uh, really lights up this offense other than Bryce Young. I have uh, Brian Robinson Jr. as one of my honorable mentions. Oh, that's a very a very forgotten about player, I feel like. I feel like not a lot of people, uh, like, talk about him in terms of, like, Heisman. Uh, for my first honorable mention, uh, I'm going to put Kenneth Walker. He was like six on my list. Uh, you know, it's, it's harder. It, the Heisman has really become a quarterback award, which I don't really like. I feel like Kenneth, like, should probably be, like, a top Heisman contender. But I feel like unless he's having, like, a historically great season, he doesn't really have much of a chance to win it. And he's not – although he's having a really good season, he's not really having a historic season. So I feel like he just – he's like number six for me, I guess. Oh, wow. I see you're number six. I went with my number – Well, I, number this is an honorable nine, I guess I'm... It's an honorable mention, but, like, that's just an, like an honorable mention. He's just, like, right outside my list for me. Um, for another one for me, um, it really depends on how he plays out, like, the rest of the season. You know, because um, he has very tough opponents, like to make his name out there. Even though with like the the short season he's having, but you know, as a quarterback, you know they always get looked at. I have a uh, Caleb Williams. You know, as a honorable mention, you know if he can like like ball out against like one of the or against the top schools in uh, college football, I feel like he can have a chance. But uh, he's an honorable mention. Yeah, I feel like he's, like, ever since he came into the starting role, I don't know if you can name a starting quarterback who's played better over the span of, like, the two or three games he's been, like, playing as a starter. Like, Corral's been playing well. I mean, Bryce Young's still been playing well, but, I mean, Caleb Williams has probably outplayed them in, like, all of the weeks that he started. So I feel like if he would have started from day one, then he probably would be the favorite right now, but... Anyways, uh, my next honorable mention is uh, Bijan Robinson. Uh, you know, it's kind of the same case with Kenneth Walker. 
you know, he's having a really good season. And Texas isn't, like, terrible. But, I mean, they're really a really inconsistent team. And they're really they're not going to make, like, a big bowl game. And although he's, again, same kind of situation as Kenneth Walker. He's having a, a great season. He's just not having, like, a historically great season. So he's also outside my top five. Um, all right, for another one, you know, defensive players and uh, the Heisman talks not really, like, brought up. Never. Unless, but um, for me, I have – even though he missed some time with the injury, but uh, he just – that dog on the field, and we've seen it uh, in the second half of his uh, past game played against UCLA. You know, Kevon Thibodeau is that main force in that defense, and he uh, he disrupts a lot of plays along with Noah's – See well, but you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, you can see that uh, you know, DTR, he probably had like one of the best games like mentally as a quarterback, you know, to face or to have Kayvon in your face almost every play. And uh and you know, you do you see an offensive line is, you know, you wouldn't say bad and to Kayvon to be that disruptive. Uh, in the whole second half, it it's just crazy to see in, in a in a defense of of a player. You know, you know maybe if he would have played against uh, Ohio State, we could see him in the top five, or or if uh, Oregon makes it to the playoffs, you know, maybe he'll have a chance to be in the top five. But you know, it's just very hard for a defensive player to be named like that, unless yeah. you're Monte Taylor. Yeah, he's uh he's also my next honorable mention. You know, as you said, he's he has missed a lot of time. He's only played two complete games this season. You know, at first it was um uh, an ankle injury holding him back in the he didn't get to play the first uh the full game against Fresno State. Then he didn't get to play at all against Ohio State. And then he didn't and then he went out in like the second half of the Arizona game and then he did uh, almost play the full game against Stanford, but then he got ejected for a stupid targeting call. It was not targeting, by the way. And then he had to sit out the next game against the first half of the next game against Cal. But when you came back, he came back in the second half. You saw the type of impact and why he's the number one player in the country when he's on the field and why he's probably going to go number one in the draft. And then um, who else? Oh, I've probably forgetting some other games, but especially last week, um, you saw the type of impact he can have on, like, a defense. Uh, actually, last week was his first full game, I think, if I'm n- not forgetting something. But, yeah, I think last week was his first full game. But, anyways, that doesn't matter. Um, his stats aren't, like, the best, but in the for the games and snaps he's played, he's been dominant, and it's just showing – it's more it's more than box score stats. It's just like his impact and the amount of uh like blocking and stuff teams have to account for him. So yeah, that's why he he falls outside for me. Yeah, you have to think of him as like a like a Chase Young in college. You know, he really didn't have the stats, but you know, the amount of like pressure he brought upon because, you know, he'll face double teams. Yeah. Like, you have to scheme for him. He's like the guy at the beginning of the week. The coach is like, okay, this is the guy we have to – we always have to be blocking him. Someone's always got to be assigned to him. Yeah, that's what. 
Um, for my next honorable mention, you know, he should. Um, I really don't like OSU, and uh, what these. Oh, I have him in an honorable mention. You know, he should be in the top five just the way he's been playing. But with these tough four games coming up, um, I don't really see uh, CJ Shroud being that dominant as he has, like, during the season. You know, because for one game, CJ Shroud actually played, like, a good defense. He struggled for the most part. And uh, I feel like CJ Shroud – you know, he'll still be, like, as good that OSU needs him. But, like, for to put up, like, top five Heisman numbers with along with other people, I don't see that happening with this, like, tough four games coming up. That's, that's why I brought him down of the top five. Yeah, that's also my next honorable mention. Um, I've been catching a lot of slack, especially from OSU fans, for calling CJ Stroud kind of a bit overrated, especially by OSU fans. But I kind of think of him as um, if you remember when Matthew Stafford played, I mean, obviously it wasn't that, um, that long ago, but like from like 2012 to like 2020 when Matthew Stafford played for the Lions, you know, the whole stat pad for nickname, um, he kind of just puts up empty stats against like bad defenses and puts up some garbage time stats. I feel like that's a lot of what CJ Stroud has been doing this season. Not that he's been playing bad, but you know, when you look at his box score against Oregon when they lost, you're like, oh, that wasn't a bad game. But he in the fourth quarter, he really kind of disappeared. And he's one, not – I mean, or OSU's terrible defense was the reason they mainly lost that game. But, like, CJ not showing up in the fourth quarter definitely did not help them win that game. And I feel like he's been benefiting from playing a, a lot of terrible defenses since that game. So I feel like – He's really got to show what he's made of in his, his next four or five weeks when OSU plays some actual competition. So uh, that's why he falls outside my top five. Uh, I have, oh, I do have one more honorable mention. I have one more. You know, you already said it. You know, it, it's hard for a running back. You know, I have one running back in my top five. So uh, for me, adding him honorable mention, it, you know, it was, it was kind of hard because he is having a great year. And uh, but my last honorable mention is uh, Kenneth Walker Jr. You know, it's just because that that running back role in college football is is I want to say overlooked. They just quarterbacks, you know, have that that advantage to them in the Heisman race. Yeah, most of the football, like the MVP and uh, the NFL and the Heisman, have become quarterback awards, which kind of sucks, but. You can see why it's happening, but it also kind of sucks for, like, everybody else. But I don't have any honorable mentions, so I guess I'll just get right in my top five. For my number five. Ooh. Damn. What? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Adam Duvall just crushed one. Oh, let's go. Astros in four. Yeah. I mean, five not zero. Astros. Braves. 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 Five zero now. <laughs> um, For my number five, I got uh, Desmond Ritter. You know, since he is um, – even it. If though that they barely beat um, Navy last week, they're still probably making the playoff. You know, they really don't have to play anybody else this year. Desmond Ritter has been the main catalyst for Cincy being so good. You know, he's not he's not like a numbers guy. He's not somebody who's putting up like historic numbers like maybe Joe Burrow was or like a Tim. He's not like putting up like Tim Tebow like numbers. 
but he's more like a guy you have to watch to fully understand his impact. You know, he's he's a great like leader. He's a great field general. And, you know, he just makes there are plays where he makes something out of nothing for that, especially sometimes that Cincinnati offensive line does break down a little bit. But, um, you know, he's a guy that can make something out of nothing and he can make pretty much every throw on the field. He's not he doesn't have a outstanding arm, but, you know, he's just a great leader and just a great guy in general. But he doesn't really have the numbers to win the Heisman, especially with the next four guys. The, uh, I, I do also have him at five you know, just because his numbers wise. But I also do agree how uh, you had to like watch to understand why he's like in the in the Heisman race, you know, or with our I want to say, like our our generation, you know, when people look into like who the best player, they always look into the stats numbers, you know. But stats, like they they don't show the full picture, in my opinion. And uh, for you know that would be the case for Desmond Ritter this year for the Heisman, but you know two. To have, like, a non-Power 5 team in the college football playoffs, you know, it has to start with the QB. Oh, damn, I hit. And, and, uh, and then, you know, to have a non-Power 5 team, Desmond Ritter, you know, he has to, like, be doing something good in that team. But the stats don't show that, and then that's why people will disagree, or not disagree, but overlook him in the Heisman race. Yeah, a lot of people have gotten a lot of new advanced stats, especially in baseball and football. And while I think those are definitely important, you know, there's always an aspect to any player where you have to just watch them to know their impact, their full impact. But uh, at my number four, um, this guy really has come out of nowhere. It's uh, Kenny Pickett, the quarterback for Pitt. You know, he's kind of had a – he's a super senior. He's kind of had a – not like as big of a an emergence, but a Joe Burrow esque emergence in the way that he kind of has come out of nowhere, and he's putting up numbers. He's definitely a guy who has the numbers to win the Heisman. It's just you know he plays for Pitt, and whereas Joe Burrow played for LSU, and he put up like much he put up better numbers than Kenny Pickett is putting up. But I feel like he still should have a case for the Heisman. But obviously, Pitt not a really big school, and they're not going to make much noise in the playoff race, despite having a very solid record. But uh, yeah, that's why he's number four. Yeah, for my number four, I also have Kenny Pickett. I really wanted to put him at, at five just because of the school he plays for. You know, I wanted to put Desmond Ritter over him because you know Desmond Ritter are they are going for college football playoffs. But you know you can't over you can't overlook this guy. You know you you really see the comparison of Joe Burrow. You know as he had that historic year, and Kenny Pickett's numbers are like side by side with him. But you know you do have to overlook like the teams he's playing because he plays for Pitt and and all that. But you know I really see as Joe Burrow made that case. You know this is really helping his uh, draft profile, even though he's a super senior. But um. You know, to have that impact like Joe Burrow, you know, maybe he'd, you know, Joe Burrow definitely showing out in the NFL right now, too. So, you know, why can't this be the case for Kenny Pickett, too? 
Yeah, and uh, especially with there not really being like a true number one quarterback for this upcoming class, I definitely see can see him emerging like in the at least the the top five quarterbacks of that of this next co- upcoming class. But uh, for my number three, uh, I got Bryce Young. You know, he definitely started off the season really hot, and not that he's like fa- completely fallen off a cliff and. You know, Alabama's still good, and they still got a good chance to make the playoffs. They just got to win out. But he's de- his numbers statistically have definitely taken a, a bit of a dive. You know, we at the beginning of the season, we were seeing him throw, you know, like five touchdowns, four touchdowns in games to where now he's just kind of – he's completing a lot of short throws. He's giving – he's taking what the defense gives him, uh, but he's not really making the shot plays and anymore. And, I mean, he still is, but not at – as big of a rate and I see him kind of as a Russell Wilson especially where he he runs out he runs only when he needs to and he still has the numbers to win the Heisman but I definitely think I don't know if Alabama is going to make the playoff I still think they have a good chance to but like I don't know for sure that they're going to make it and if they don't make it I think there's no way Bryce Young wins it especially with the dudes ahead of him having probably better numbers and just more of an impact, but uh, that's why Bryce Young's number three for me. Um, you know, this one, uh, it's a very unpopular, like, um, opinion of mine, but you have to show the running back some love. And uh, my number three, I have B. John Robinson. You know, even though – oh, I dropped it. You know um, – even though he plays for Texas, who are a team, you know, we're not going to be in any talks over the college football playoff. You know, they always find a, a way to stay ranked, even with, like, their eight losses. But, you know, um, B. John Robinson this year in that in that offense, you know, he really he really is that number one in that offense. You know, it kind of gives me, like, vibes of, like, uh, a Chuba Hubbard when he was with uh, – Oklahoma State, you know, as they provided him the ball and he to do whatever he wanted to do, and then we'll have the option of throwing after after you. And uh, what Robinson produced this year in uh, total stats, you know, again in the in the conference of what the Big Twelve, I believe. Yeah. yeah, in the Big Twelve, you know, that's not a conference like you can just like run up numbers that crazy for him and. I I just want to see a running back get love in the Heisman race. That's why I have him at number three. Yeah, Texas always do be getting ranked high, and I feel like um, uh, Bijan is kind of having the season that we expected Brees Hall to have for Iowa State. You know, where he's just the focal point of the offense, and Brees Hall is still like the focal point of the Iowa State offense. Just not much has gone right for Iowa State this year. For my number two, um. This is probably, like, not too popular of an opinion, but um, at my number two, I have Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle for um, Georgia. You know, he's – obviously, he plays defensive tackle, so he's not going to um, he's not gonna have, like, insane stats unless he's, you know, Aaron Donald. But this is kind of like an Indomitian Sioux-type season, if you remember whenever he was in, I think, his senior year where it was just his sheer impact on the defensive end. He's the best player on the best defense on the best team in college football. And, 
just the plays he makes and the impact he makes, it's kind of like a Desmond Ritter type. Like you have to watch Georgia to fully understand his impact. And I mean, he is just as stout as can be in the middle and he just shuts. I mean, that Georgia defense just shuts everybody down. So, and I mean, he does have pretty good stats as well, but you have to fully, you have to like, to fully grasp his impact, you definitely have to watch Georgia play. So that's why I got him number two. Especially when he plays D-tackle, you know, he's, he's facing the guard and the center the most mostly yeah. of the game. He's getting double teamed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your claim on that, on that defensive player. You know, defensive players need some love. I will always say that. For um, sure. But uh, for my number two, it's it, – I had this as a top-up, like a toss-up for my one and two. But for my number two, I have Matt Corral at number two. Sorry for you to hear that. You know, I know you're <laughs> big on Matt Corral. I've been a big Matt Corral <laughs> fan. You know, um, I just have it because, you know, my one and two list, you know, they dueled out earlier this year, and Matt Corral did, really didn't show up against this team. I, um, uh, But, you know, Matt Corral, I feel like – or no doubtably should be the, the number one QB taken this year. Maybe even number one overall because of quarterback needs this year for teams. Um, you know, me, me, Ben, or not me and Ben, Ben always talks about Matt Corral, you know, and uh, he really turned me to like a Corral fan, you know, you know, talking about like his raw, like potential to be uh, like, as you say, Patrick Mahomes type. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he is putting up stats for Ole Miss. You know, look at Ole Miss, what, 10? Really yeah. putting up the market for uh, for Arch Manning to go there. Yeah. As, as Link Kiffin has developed Matt Corral as, like, a QB superstar. And, um, but, you know, for for him to be one and two talk, I just, I just had to give – the, my one uh, higher edge just because the end of the se- like what he's going to do in the end of the season. But, you know, it, it could go as a toss-up, like I said. And uh, Mackerel has a really good shot of, of winning this Heisman this year. Yeah. Um, as you said, I've been a Mackerel fan. I've been on his train since, like, midway last year. I always said all he needs to do is cut down on the interceptions and turnovers, and he'll be – He'll be a stud, and you know what he's done? Cut down on the interceptions and turnovers, and he's a stud. Um, uh, oh, but... oh, I'm sorry. Before you, before uh, you say anything, but we're going to keep on Matt Corral. I want to say, you know, I always thought Matt Corral was going to be like a, like a Jordan Tiamo for the Ole Miss. You know, he really changed that view on me for him. Yeah, definitely. Definitely um, similar kind of in their, in, like, impacts for the Ole Miss just definitely Lane Kiffin and Mike Corral kind of been like a match made in heaven. But obviously my number one is uh, Matt Corral. Um, you know, as I said, I've been a believer of his for a while. Um, he's out of like him versus like Bryce Young in terms of like quarterbacks. I, f- I definitely think that, that uh, Matt Corral has the better numbers uh, definitely, and I think he still needs to separate himself as this race can change on a weekly basis. You know, guys in the honorable mentions could end up as number one, and 
for me, but um, definitely he's got the numbers to win the Heisman. And I think if Ole Miss wins out they and they get a good bowl game, then he could definitely um, – I think that that makes more of an impact on his case than any, anything, you know, where Ole Miss finishes and how they finish their season. But he's definitely been showing out this year. And in their loss to Bama, he that's definitely his worst game of the year by far. Um, he didn't even play, like, terrible. You know, he threw two touchdowns. His box score stats weren't – like terrible especially by his means but you know that was definitely his worst game of the year and I mean your number one guy definitely outplayed him that week so I can see the case for him at number one how do you know who my number one is uh, because I I don't know I just don't my number one is DJ Ujo <laughs> Laley oh my gosh I, no. I want to say something about Clemson after you um, finish up uh, um, my number one, you know, it's the only person that's not on. I haven't said that's on Ben's list, but my number one is um Bryce Young. Uh, as you said, you know, he had the the stat in the beginning of the season, but he has like fallen off a little bit. But I see, you know, as these tough matchups coming up, I feel like Bryce Young takes that extra step. Like, uh, and he produces very well games against these tough matchups. Which uh provides, you know, over Matt Corral, you know, even though Matt Corral's gonna do his thing, I feel like these games against these tough opponents really sets uh, Bryce Bryce Young's uh, Heisman race up as as a uh, as like since he he provided the stats against like tougher opponents than Matt Corral towards the end of the season, but you know, um, I I don't say I. You know, when Bryce Young committed to Alabama, um, you know, I always watched the modern day football games. You know, I was, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, um, from California, you know, you watch St. John Bosco and modern day like all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, but one thing I, I, I won't say criticized, but I, I feel like Bryce Young needed that leadership role to like really stand out. You know, when he went to Alabama, um, you know, sitting – Behind uh, a year behind, uh, Mac Jones probably gave him that le- leadership role that he has now. You know, he really takes his team like under his wing. I guess you could say with Nick Saban. You know, Nick Saban trusts him to run the offense on his own, mm-hmm. and I think that's what he missed out of high school. And then to develop that under Nick Saban it, as a as his first year as a starter, you know, I, that's why I feel like. Uh, He's my number one. Yeah, he definitely – he's, like, a quieter guy, but, you know, quiet leadership. He's a he's a quiet killer for sure. Um, before we get into our predictions, I just want to say something about Clemson. I'm not a Clemson fan at all. I've always been a disliker of Clemson. I think Dabo Sweeney gets praised a little too much, especially for, like, being put in the upper echelon of college coaches. And, um, you know, like – the golden standard for any college coach is Nick Saban. He's shown that he can make average to above average quarterbacks look elite, and he can win without an elite quarterback. Like Mac Jones, he was an elite quarterback, but like with above average traits. You know, if you throw back to a guy like Phil Coker, you know, even like AJ McCarron, who was still great in college, but like Phil Coker and 
Like he's those are like above average quarterbacks that he makes look elite and like he wins championships with them. Dabo Sweeney cannot win without an elite quarterback. You know, he won with Deshaun Watson. He won with Trevor Lawrence. You know, he won a little with Taj Boyd. He won some with when Kelly Bryant was a starter. But he's not winning with DJ Uyunglele. I don't know how to say his last name. And, I mean, it's not all on Dabo, but I feel like he gets talked about. Like, he gets pra- he got praised too much for, like, being in the upper echelon of college coaches when I feel like he's he relies a lot on the talent he has at the quarterback position to win and most coaches need elite quarterbacks to win and that's fine just they're not the most elite coaches they can't like elevate their players as Nick Saban and like the upper echelon of college coaches do oh no what Charlie Morton is coming out of the game with the injury oh that's not good all right you can start off the predictions for the rest of the year I have are we yeah. talking about predictions? We're talking about like our predictions of like the college football playoffs. Oh, uh, we'll do predictions first, and then I guess we'll end with college uh, football playoffs predictions. All right. Uh, my predictions are just like predictions, like who's gonna win like their conference. Uh, yeah, I kind of yeah. have like who's gonna fall off and who's gonna shoot up type predictions. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna just start. You know, I'm gonna say this Ohio State first before you go off on them, because uh-huh. I know you will. I just my one prediction I have. Is uh, I feel like Ohio State with his next four games, I feel like they only win three out of the next four. I mean, they lose they lose three out of four and only win one. My bad. Only one and that one win against Penn State. That's definitely fair. Um, I on a similar note, I think OSU gets absolutely exposed in the next five weeks. You know, they play five tough opponents. I mean, their weakest opponent is Purdue, who beat Iowa. So. I think I think they can realistically lose all five games if everything goes wrong for them. I don't think they will. I think they'll lose like two or three of them. But I think them not playing any competition. They've played one top 25 team and they lost, lost at home to them. And they really got exposed. And, uh, you know, all the LSU fans are saying, oh, our defense has improved. All oh, our freshmen, blah, 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 blah. You haven't played anybody, so it's easy for your numbers to look good. The number one offense in the country. Well, you've played the defensive equivalent of wet cardboard, so it's easy to have the number one offense in the country when you haven't played any good defenses since Oregon. So, um, and they played Oregon without. They played Oregon one, without two without, of their best defensive yes, players. The best player, Kayvon and Justin Flo. Justin Flo, who <laughs> hasn't played, he's played one game this year, which sucks because he's a stud. Yeah, I know. I love now. I love no uh, homo. I love Justin Flo as a player. Oh uh, yeah, me too. I feel like when he when he gets back next year, him and Noah Sewell, that's gonna be that's gonna be something different. But that's all. I, that's all I have to say about um, Ohio State for now. When you said with uh, Ohio State's defense improving, you know, I always see Ohio State. That's one of their main problems coming into like facing these big teams. You know, especially last year. You know when. When uh, Ohio State, you know, with uh, Sean Wade, you know, every every throughout the season they praise Sean Wade, and then, you know, they get to uh, did they make it to college football playoffs or did yeah, they lose? They, the they no, yeah, they did. They're number final. four. Yeah, they made the final because yeah. that was the year that this is when Justin Fields finally beat Trevor Lawrence. 
Yes. Yes. You know, and and even with the, uh, you know, they praise Sean Wade to come into that game, and then Sean Wade gets burnt. You know, gets toasted the whole game. <laughs> and then, like, that's, it's always their flaw. And then, you know, as you say, like, all these Ohio State fans, you know, they're praising that their defense is getting better. You know, they really don't play. You know, I feel like this is, like, another case with, you know, Sean Wade. You know, they're praising him this much just to get uh, them all uh, freaking, like, uh, exposed against these big teams. Yeah. I, and to add on to that, OSU got beat by Oregon because Oregon ran the ball down their throats effectively. And they threw it and completed, like, passes when they needed to. And they didn't, like, try to do too much. And they had a bend-but-don't-break approach on defense, which is why they gave up so much yardage, but they only gave up 28 points. And one of those touchdowns was in that garbage time. But um, And you, Michigan and Michigan State, who I think are both – one of them is 100% beating Ohio State, in my opinion. They both have elite running backs slash running games. They have quarterbacks who don't – for the most part, don't try to do too much. And they – have a bend but don't break defensive approaches. Yes, both Sounds teams like a, have like that Ryan Tannehill quarterback. Yeah, like <laughs> Caden McNamara. He's I'm, a lot of Michigan fans hate Cade McNamara, and for like he's no like elite draft prospect. He's not an elite quarterback, but he's like Anthony Brown kind of in the way where he's just like a solid, experienced guy who can who can like he's not going to – he doesn't have, like, elite traits or anything, but he can make the right reads. He can make the right decisions when the time is needed for him to. And then Peyton Thorne is, like – he's more inconsistent than the other two, than uh, Anthony Brown and uh, Cade McNamara, but he's definitely, like – he can make the most flash plays out of those three for sure. Yes, I agree. I agree. Uh, another prediction – it's uh it all falls into like all these games coming up, and uh I know you'll you'll like this. It's kind of like a I guess you say like a very like hot take kind of prediction. But I have a uh, Oregon squeezing their way into the college football playoffs with all these like tough matchups from like the one through one through like seven, uh-huh. and uh, I I see them squeezing into the college football playoffs if the cards fall right to them. I feel like that's definitely a a fair fair thing to say. You know, they definitely out of like the top seven teams, they probably have the easiest schedule coming up, other than like Cincinnati, because but Cincinnati doesn't really play um, in a very like good conference as compared to Oregon. Uh, my next thing is um, uh, what? Where is it? Okay, I think that nobody in from the Big Ten is going to make the playoff, and here's why. They all like they all like Penn State, Iowa. Even though Penn State and Iowa have already played, you know, Penn State, Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, OSU. Those are like the five teams that are like kind of in the elite talks in the um, Big Ten, and they all kind of clat. They all kind of get to play each other at this end of the season. So evidently, some of them both, some of them are going to lose. All of them are pretty much going to lose at least one game out of like when they all kind of clash and all play some are going to win some are going to win some some are going to lose some Penn State's definitely not making the playoff especially after their loss to Illinois but you know Iowa still has a shot Michigan Michigan State Ohio State all still have shots to do it and I feel like they all clash and they all come out like two and two or something like that and they all end up with two losses and they all end up out of the playoff 
Um, I'm about to say, I'm like not disagreeing on you, but like when we go into like the, the like all our top four, you know, I really have to like, say something about someone going to the big from the Big Ten into the playoffs. Yeah, I de- I can definitely still see somebody from them like emerging, but I just don't think anyone like truly emerges as like the best the team to beat in the Big Ten. Um, right now, uh, I'm. I just have like who's gonna win like their conference. If you have anything else other than that, um, uh, I guess I can I can say one I can say one more thing. I think the door, especially with like the top couple teams, like probably having some tough matchups coming up. I think the door is wide open. Like if the cards like fall exactly right, I definitely think the team. I want to see Wake Forest in the college football playoffs so badly. You don't even know. Yeah, like that, that Wake Forest, the Jimmy Wake Forest has it's, an it's crazy. elite offense, an elite offense, and they don't really play anybody. I mean, they they do play like Boston College and Clemson to finish out the year, but those aren't those are very beatable opponents. I really think they can win out. I think they can go undefeated, and I mean, there's still a chance they can make it in the college football playoff, which is crazy to say. And, like, I want to see them in there because I used to live – I used to go to Wake Forest, like, sporting events because I used to live right by there. And I would lo- I would love to see them in the college football playoff. I don't think they would win it. I just want to see them in it. The Demon Deacons. The Demon Deacons. You know, I feel like if, if uh, they make it to the college football playoffs, you know, everybody and their, and their mamas will, like, root for that team. Yeah, them in Cincinnati. Going. I think everyone wants to see Cincinnati in the playoff. Um. You know, hopefully for like the Wake Forest case, you know, even though Clemson, like, uh, they're not Clemson, you know, maybe that win, that win provides them into that college football playoffs, you know, because the name of Clemson. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. They'll hold some weight. All right. Um, I just have conference like games, like the final conference games and then who wins it. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna just start with the like the least conference. Someone will talk like will talk about. Uh, I'm going to uh, the mountain, the mountain west, like side of the conference. Mm-hmm. I have a, uh, I think I think they do play like in a like kind of like the Pac-12 and like the SEC, like when they like two teams from like their division play. Yeah. Um. You know, it's I have a uh, SCSU winning that mountain west. You know, just because, uh, you know, I really want to see Florida State because that Florida State team, you know, they're, Florida uh, State. I mean, not Florida State, freaking uh, Fresno State. State. Fresno State, my bad. Fresno State. Um, you know, that Fresno State team plays with heart. You know, just with these two losses that they have, like in the, in the beginning of like the the year. Um, you know, even though I see SEC winning that conference, you know. I feel like SCSU doesn't have like that undefeated season, and they lose to uh, Fresno State. So that's kind of like a prediction. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I yeah, them Fresno State and uh, SCSU are kind of like the only two, like not like relevant teams from that conference, but like the only two teams anyone kind of cares about outside of like you know their individual fan bases. Yes, sir. All right. Um, I didn't do like 
who I think is going to be in the conference championship games. I just did like who I think is going to win them. Um, for I guess I'll start with the ACC. Um, obviously, just talked about Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. I think Wake Forest is going to win the ACC, and I think they're going to win it pretty easily. You know, you still got like Pitt and like teams like that that are like kind of in the mix, but not really. And I think Wake Forest is like far and away probably the best team in the ACC which this year, which is so weird to say, but. You know, I definitely feel like they walk through, walk through their schedule in the ACC championship. Yeah, um, you know, since you said ACC, um, I'll just go with my prediction: ACC two. I also have Wake Forest winning it. Like, no matter what, like, even if, like they have a worst game, they're still gonna win the ACC. Yeah, that that is an elite offense, Sam Hartman. If, if all my uh, QB one watchers out there. I remember him. He's a he's a dog. He's like a solid quarterback. He he's kind of like a game manager, like not like, kind of like you know like the prototypical game manager like Ryan Tannehill, and that Demon Deacon's offense is dangerous. You did get a like from him on TikTok. <laughs> no, that was Ty Thompson. That's my no. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my dog, Ty Thompson, future stud. By the way, Oregon quarterback. Um, you can go next. Uh, all right. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just skip over Pac-12. I'll leave Pac-12 for the last since that's our conference. Yes. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Big Ten. Um, you know, this has to do with my top four in my college football playoffs, too. Uh, I really have Michigan winning the Big Ten, you know, just because their, uh, their run game is, uh, very, like, I want to say, I want to say unstoppable, but you know, there's greater words than unstoppable for that run game. You know, it kind of reminds me of the OSU with uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, I think that's definitely a fair comparison, but like, okay. Um, yeah, I feel like that's definitely a fair comparison, but they definitely have, they, they got two guys, but they got Blake Corum and they got um, Haskins. Uh, but I also have them winning the Big Ten. I think Michigan State and Iowa and I guess Ohio State, they all have cases to win it. But I think Michigan squeaks it out. And then uh, you can go ahead on, on another conference winner. Uh, I would do Big 12. Um, you know, Oklahoma State up until last week was looking really good. And there's some other, you know, Baylor even, who's just having a resurgence this year. Baylor's even in the mix. But I think it's uh, – I think everyone knows it's Oklahoma's uh, conference to win or lose. And um, especially with the emergence of Caleb Williams in these last couple of weeks, um, they definitely have emerged. Like, re, even though they almost lost to Kansas last week, I still think they have, like, definitely, like, re-emerged kind of. If they were like the the dormant the sleeping monster with Spencer Rattler, and they kind of woke up with Caleb Williams. Yes, I also see that playing out on the Big Twelve. You know, I really wanted to say uh, the Baylor Bears. You know, come out from the Big Twelve. You just, but you know, Caleb Williams. I feel like I his IQ. You know, you really don't see it in this in this like college era. You know, as you know, they develop their QBs. You know, that play in Kansas just tells you how 
Caleb Williams is as he like he always stays in the game. And uh they didn't have that. You know, I don't really want to like disgrace Spencer Rattler, but you know, they really didn't have that like it factor when Spencer was out there and then Caleb provides that for them. Yeah, he definitely he I feel like he definitely wants it more. Like he shows the want. And um Oklahoma and Oregon, the two kings are playing down to competition that they should be destroying. But um, I guess I'll move on to uh, the SEC. I think Georgia wins it pretty easily. Even if they play Alabama, whoever they play, I think they win it easily, um, especially with their dominant defense. They, to be fair, they haven't like played a truly elite offense. I mean, if you want to consider Arkansas and Kentucky as elite offenses, go right ahead. But um, – they still have absolutely shut down everybody they played, and it doesn't matter who they play. They're going to shut them down, and they still have a, a solid offensive attack no matter who's at the helm, Stetson Bennett. They're definitely better with JT Daniels, but they're not completely incompetent with Stetson Bennett. So definitely have them winning the SEC. You know, I, right now I have Georgia winning it just because of that defense. You know, Even though Bo Nix did show some signs, you know, Bonex, you know, Bonex. I was really fond on Bonex when coming in. You know, he really, I want to say, like, dish, like um, I can't find the word here, but, uh, like, he almost uh, exposed their defense, you know, and, but and then that defense just became their defense again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even with Bryce Young on the other side and my uh, honorable mention, Brian Robinson Jr., um, it's it's very hard to see this defense like letting up in any of the games. Uh, I also think it's a toss up, even though because you know because Alabama is always that team that that fights, you know, especially against uh, their one loss against Texas A and M. You know they fought through through that whole game, but uh, I I see Georgia winning, you know, but I also don't see Alabama coming out with that uh with the SEC. Yeah, they're definitely not out of it. I just think George is too strong this year, especially defensively. Um, Pac-12, uh, last but not least, you know, our favorite conference. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't forget the AAC, bro. Oh, uh, well, sorry. Um, oh, yeah. Even though there's only one team in the AAC. That's even remotely <laughs> close. Um, Cincinnati, you know, I think we're all rooting for them because we all love a good Cinderella story. You know, Desmond Ritter, they got a, a rock-solid defense. And uh, despite me thinking they probably won't make it too far in the college football playoff, I'm definitely pulling for them because we all love a good uh, group of five team. Did, that- um, I was, no, I don't have Cincinnati winning it in the shock. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, Cincinnati, no doubt, you know, the only team in the AAC that will pull out of this. Um, you know, I'll, I really like that Cinderella story, you know. I'll, and the college football uh, playoffs, you know, if my that team like I'm not rooting for the entire year doesn't make it, I always go for the underdog. The underdog, you know. Even sometimes when my team's in there, I always go for the the underdog. You know, everybody loves to see like the underdog story. You know, even right now in this uh, in this play in the MLB playoffs, you know, the Atlanta Braves are the underdog story, and everybody's rooting for them. Yeah, and. And then in the 2019 with the Nationals, Nationals. they're the underdog. I, I don't know how many people were rooting for them, but I was definitely rooting for them. And that's still a highlight of 
uh, my sport watching career, I guess, seeing them, seeing one of my teams finally win it. But um, definitely, um, I think to build off that, I that um, for the Pac-12, our conference, uh, you know, it there's a there's one team that can make the playoff from the from the Pac-12 and it's Oregon and I think they're going to have a lot of close games down the stretch because Oregon for some reason loves playing bad against bad teams uh like Arizona and like Cal but um I think they end up winning the conference championship and I think they win out and you'll uh we'll see how they how they finish in the playoff rankings but uh I guess we'll see with my uh top 4 how I think they're going to finish yeah, um, for the Pac-12 for me, you know, since it's north and south, you know, hopefully oh, uh, Arizona State just, like, just decides, like, their offense isn't, like, lethal anymore and loses two games so UCLA can face uh, Oregon again. <laughs> <laughs> but I really don't see that happening just because the OSU, I mean, OSU, freaking ASU against, like, the Pac-12, you know, they're, they're really, they're really sure they're dominance against like the Pac-12 other than facing Oregon you know these past two years and you see uh Jaden Daniels really coming to his potential you know um but you know with the with the Arizona State from the south and then Oregon from the north um I really like I always want a Pac-12 team into the college football playoffs since it's our conference yeah you know and hopefully this is the case again you know, and hopefully they don't decide to choke in the playoffs, you know, again when they had Marcus Mariota, even though Ezekiel Elliott was on the other side of the ball. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, I have them winning and then heading to, like, they get the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl, like, thing no matter what. I have Oregon uh, winning this, like, our Pac-12 division. Yeah. Sad, sadly, not UCLA Bruins. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, if we would have – if we would have beat, you know, if Detroit didn't go down, um, you know, towards the end of that game, you know, maybe we'll have like a different story, and then they, the and then they, they face off again. All over DTR that second half, he it seems like he was on the floor after every throw, like he was getting knocked down, he was getting knocked around. The Oregon defense is definitely playing physical, and I mean, I don't, I don't think they were playing dirty. I just think they were playing very physical, especially in that second half. Um, they. That's exactly how I think Oregon should come out again in every game. But um, uh, unfortunately, they like to play bad against bad teams, like I said. Uh, oh, but... oh be- before we go to the top four, you know, I forgot to put this on, like on my, uh, like on my paper here. But one prediction I feel like it like benefit DTR is uh, him possibly sitting out the rest of the year. You know, after that game against Oregon, you know, it really like showed out. And it shows the heart that he has for his draft profile. Yeah. And uh, and I wouldn't mind him like sitting out the rest of the year, you know, as we uh, as we can, as Chip Kelly can see what he has in a uh, Ethan uh, Gabbers. <laughs> Gabbers. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, and then Spencer Rattler decides to transfer to UCLA next year. <laughs> but I don't, um, I don't even know where he should go. You know, but you know. I mean, if he doesn't sit, I feel like he should sit a couple games, you know, to, and then he'll play like his final uh, USC UCLA game. Yeah, that that'll be a that'll be a good game actually. Uh, USC has definitely had a lot of turmoil this year, 
and Keaton Slovis is definitely falling off. Yeah, they just need to start Dart already. Remember when they when they said he was gonna be a top three quarterback in the next draft class? That was pretty funny, wasn't it? Everybody was saying, that. you know, it's it's pretty bizarre how like the top top like, like, three. like top three like when away, you know Sam Howell and Keaton Slovis, you know, or top four even with JT Daniels. You know, even though JT Daniels was an injury problem, not like a like he just yeah. physically sucked this year. Yeah, but, it was it was definitely the draft the draft rankings have definitely changed, especially in the terms of quarterback, but the number one guy is still still the same. Thibodeau. But um I I do want to talk a little bit, um, especially with us talking about the underdog, I kinda of want to talk about the playoff expansion. You know, there's been a lot of talk about them expanding it to a twelve team playoff. And while I think an eight team playoff would suit way, way better, I I'd be really excited to see the 12 team playoff as soon as like next year. Um, you can build off this in a little bit, but um, especially with, you know, not every year, um, not every power five conference getting a representative, which is, you know, fair because in, I, especially with the PAC 12, the past couple of years, they have not deserved to have somebody in the playoff, but you know, in the eight or 12 team playoff, you can definitely have um you can definitely have teams from every conf- every Power 5 conference. And then even even a group of five team, like the best group of five team in there, like Coastal Carolina, for example, even though they tragically lost um, last week. Uh, you could see new teams in there every year, and I, always, I don't like seeing the same teams every year. I think that's boring. And, you know, Alabama and Georgia and – Oklahoma and OSU are always going to be towards the top, but I like to see new like teams emerge, kind of like Wake Forest this year, and like Ole Miss and even Kentucky teams that have been at the bottom that are like emerging this year, and I like to see that, and I'd like to see that on a bigger scale, for sure. Yeah, I'll also like to see like the college expansion. You know, this you know especially after you know we used to just have. The BCS was just one, one and two, you know, and then it went to one through four. You know, I feel like, you know, with like you said, you know, we need other teams, you know, because Alabama, you know, they're always going to get the bid for number one in the in the rankings every year. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for Alabama to lose a, a game or two throughout the year is very rare. So they're always going to keep that one through four spot no matter what. You know, it makes it hard for teams like you said, like Wake Forest or like Kentucky, you know, even Cincinnati last year were, were on upcoming finishing at, at eight, believe, you know, even mm-hmm. though they should have been higher, you know, like BYU last year, you know, I'm going to say it, Coastal Carolina last year too, going undefeated. Not this year, but. Hey, hey, Appalachian State, you know, they always, they're always they that team that, that gives you problems. State. Appalachian State has a sick baseball field. They also have a sick videos like coming out. Oh yeah, they have they record like in the water. Like I don't even know how they their videographers get those ideas, but they always look sick. Even their helmet against the game against Coastal Carolina, it was like Coastal their logo. Helmets oh, look sick. Yeah, with that teal, but that was uh, State, you know, they're with the A, and then they had like a pink camo inside. You know, it it, it was just a crazy jersey. You know, other than you know, because Oregon always comes out with the like, best jerseys every year. Oh. Absolutely. 
those no. jerseys. They they had a stupid name. They should have been like cookies and cream or something like that. The but they were like shell. the eggshell, which is <laughs> that's stupid. But yeah. like, I I don't care what the name is. They were top ten all time college football uniforms. You know, one thing one thing I do miss about Oregon, especially in the month of October. You know, because I I was a uh, always loved Marcus Mariota, and then every time I think of Marcus Mariota and Oregon, I always think Pink of Yes, I always think of him in the pink helmets with the black jerseys. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my image of Marcus Mariota in Oregon. But, you always uh, seem to play the best in those games. Hey, you always play your best in pink. That's facts. And, uh, but yeah, you know, with the expansion, talking about the expansion, you know, we really need to see it coming up already just to give other teams options because, you know, these Power 5 teams – they always tend to be in it other than the Pac-12 Power 5. Yeah. Last team to make it from Pac-12 was Washington, and they got stomped. But anyways, uh, we better uh, – we'll go on to our top four teams. Uh, and, and, the, and the team before Washington got stomped too. Yeah. <laughs> Oregon. <laughs> Marcus Mariota decided to choke. <laughs> Oh, uh, he! I feel like he still deserves a starting job somewhere. Some like the Jets need to go trade dude, for him or something. Yeah. Even though they just traded for Joe Flacco. Like, dude, why, dude? Come on, do you have Marcus Mariota? You know he could still run the. You know, even when uh, Derek Carr got hurt last year, Marcus Mariota did his thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we see Cam Newton out there. And, you know, this name, the next, this next name coming up. Oh, oh God, not this <laughs> I'm, again. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but yet, like Colin Kaepernick needs to be like in the talks of getting like like a backup job at least. Uh, I saw um, and Gardner Minshew. Uh, why is Gardner Minshew sitting behind Jalen Hurts? In no... Dude, like, why why not the Jets trade for Gardner Minshew? But no, they decided to get the the <laughs> third backup Flacco. and get freaking Joe Flacco. Gardner Minshew sh- at for the terrible situation he was in in the past two years in Jacksonville, he played very solid. He deserves a starting job somewhere, and I'm gonna keep saying it. It's just just like a lot of QBs that like. That deserve a job, but just because like the name of Joe Flacco, <laughs> Joe you know, Flacco, just because just because he was relevant in like 2011, <laughs> whatever. When they won it, like and they won it because of him. They just threw one lucky pass that was a pass interference. <laughs> they won it because of defense, but you know, oh you know, they still see Nick Foles like in terms of talks like around the league. Nick Foles, big dick Nick. And, you know, just the topic of like, you know, I can go on and on and like topics to like quarterbacks need a chance. Like, yeah. You know, like... especially, especially, you know, you said it yesterday when we were talking, uh, Cam Newton needs to go to the, the Seahawks. Seahawks, please sign Cam Newton. Oh my gosh. I don't care if he can't throw the ball. He, if we're going to run the ball 30 <laughs> times a game, we might as well have a quarterback that has a running threat. And Geno Smith does not induce any fear into any teams. <laughs> As a running threat. Yeah, and you see a 6'5", 250 quarterback on this side. Just you know. make him throw it 10 times a game, a screen pass to DK <laughs> and a screen pass to Lockett and a slant pass to DK and a slant pass to Lockett. You know, one thing Cam Newton has, you know, he might not be very accurate when he throws, but he does have an arm, and that's what DK excels at, deep threat. We just need Russell Wilson back. You know, I'm sorry to say it, but I think Russell Wilson's gone after this year. I miss you, Russ. You know, you know. Okay, you know. Think of this. You know, because I'm watching. I'm watching this uh, Deshaun Watson. Hopefully, he like, like comes out to like the Panthers. You know, but the other options we have in this like free agency because Sam Darnold's not it. 
<laughs> now, you know, what if Russell Wilson becomes a Panther? And, like, so will you, will you follow me to the Panthers? Mm, I'd probably still be a Seahawks fan, but ah. I would def- I would def- I've always been, like, a like a relatively, like, I, I'll root for the Panthers because I used to obviously live in North Carolina, so, and I went to the Panther Stadium a couple times. I didn't go to any games, but I, like, drove by it, walked around it, so it's pretty, Um, but, yeah, we better get to our playoff teams before we go off on all these. We made it an NFL episode. Great. Hey, you know, you got to talk about it sometimes. Yeah, You're a podcast for reason. You just don't talk on one topic. That's very true. And we'll probably talk more about the NFL next week, and we'll do some, like, mid-season things. Next week, we do two episodes other than last week since we had to collab with the men on the moon. We do yeah. two episodes a week now, remember? Yeah. So it's well, coming up ne- Thursday, Friday. What is today? Tuesday? Tuesday? Oh, yeah, Thursday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do NFL Thursday. Okay, cool. Yeah, with the MVP or the awards predictions. and then... Yeah, we'll definitely be watching the Arizona game too, but anyway. Oh, yes. Kyler Murray. You know, I'll be rocking Finally my Kyler Murray Mexican. jersey on. <laughs> Mexican Kyler Murray. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number one team in the playoff <laughs> is uh, Georgia. Obviously, best team in the nation, best defense. One of the best defenses in college football history. You know, they got – I mean – they got everything in it, especially if they get JT and uh, Pickens back healthy. It's um, it's gonna be tough for anybody to beat them. Yeah, what are the chance? You know, you suffer an injury like an uh, injury like Pickens has, and you still have a chance to come back this year. Yeah, that's just phenomenal. It's crazy. And um, you know, do you only have one like like top four option, or do you have multiple? No, uh, for like number three and four, I have like multiple. Okay. Um, for me, okay, it's because I have I have one multiple for the number one right now, just because of a SEC play like, uh, game. Uh, but for my number one and most of my list right here, I have Georgia. But for one case, you know, I have the underdog story. I have Cincy coming out number one. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, just 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 because you know I, you know, I had that thought of Georgia losing to Alabama in SEC game. That's definitely yeah. a possibility. But that would mean Georgia and Alabama both get in, and I really don't want that to happen. It, it, it's going to happen. I don't think Alabama gets in, but uh, that's just me. Number two, um, I have Cincinnati. I think um, Oklahoma can definitely get up to number two, and I hope the committee doesn't use the Navy, the Navy um, like almost loss to Cincinnati's like uh, disadvantage because I think Cincinnati wins out pretty – pretty easily and i think um they're easily going to make the playoffs playoff even despite the committee probably trying to hold them back because for some reason they don't like group of five teams they don't like underdogs but um i think cincinnati slash oklahoma too and whoever doesn't get it i think goes to three um like you said the committee doesn't like group of five you know they just don't like teams out of the sec or the, the big ten not the Big market teams, you know. Like, you know, they even overlook sometimes, you know, other than Oklahoma, the Big 12. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Oklahoma's in it almost every year, but um, – and they're probably still going to be in it this That's year. That's I said, other than Oklahoma. Yeah. But um, for my number two, like you said, it's uh, mostly Cincy. But with that one option I have – or slash, I have uh, Alabama coming out on number two just because of the win over uh, – I see them winning – when they win. You know, if they win over Georgia, 
and I have them at number two. Yeah, I obviously that's going to be a, one hell of an SEC championship game. The best, probably the best offense versus definitely the best defense. Yeah. So that'll be some game. Yeah, number I see three, like when Jake Fromm was there, you know, when yeah. they won it and then they lost again to Alabama, but it's fine. Georgia, the chokers. Hopefully they don't choke this World Series. Go Braves. Um. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I'm a, I'm a Swanson fan. Highest payroll in baseball just to not even make the World Series. It's it's because our you know Dave Roberts <laughs> doesn't know how to manage the pitchers in the playoffs, and then yeah. our offense is on and off. Uh, Trey Turner, despite me loving him, because obviously now horrible postseason. He was so bad in the postseason, and he was really good for the Nationals in the 2019 postseason. So I don't even know what it was. I think what Trey needed to do, like to get his confidence, was just start bunting. Stop swinging at pitches way out of the zone, please. That too, but I think, oh man, talking about Swanson, you know, he just made an error and they score. <laughs> Swanson. Yeah. Uh, all right. For my number three, um, I have a couple teams that could make it in here. I think definitely the, the uh, best candidate is Oklahoma. You know, they, they are like Oregon in the sense that they love to play bad against bad teams like Kansas and like West Virginia and like all these other teams that they've barely squeaked out a win at. But um, they find a way to win, and I, their offense is definitely more explosive with Caleb Williams at the helm. So I think they're definitely the number one candidate for number three. But I think also a team like if Michigan or Michigan State wins out, then I definitely think they can get to number three for sure. And Oregon, if the cards fall right for them, um, I think they can also get to number three, especially with Oklahoma having some tough games down the stretch. You know, obviously all those Big Ten teams having really tough games down the stretch, and that's pretty much the only teams ahead of Oregon. So um, I think if the cards fall right for them, I think they can get a high as number three. Yeah, for me, I have multiple options for number three, but like you said, the top candidate is Oklahoma. You know, because they don't, they don't really face um, – you know, even though it's Big 12, you know, they don't really face the opponents that, you know, the Big 10 faces in the SEC. You know, I feel like they hold that number three spot with uh, Caleb Williams behind. Um, but, you know, other options I have. I have uh, Michigan coming out of the Big 10, you know, and then I also have – oh, no, that one's switched. Um, you know, one candidate, it's uh, Michigan. And then, of course, if uh, – Georgia loses Alabama. I feel like they don't fall under three, even though Oklahoma like becomes or stays undefeated. You know, just from a one losing to a, a four, you know, you don't really see that big of a drop. So I, I feel like they stay at three. You know, if they lose, but for sure Oklahoma is the top runner for number three. Yeah, um, I really feel like there's not a clear choice for number four right now. Um, especially, you know, Alabama, they have a real, real chance of losing to Georgia in the conference championship game. And if they play like they did at Texas A&M, they definitely won't win that game. Um, I think Alabama could definitely still get in, especially if they beat Georgia. They'll probably be higher than number four. But um, um, MSU or Michigan or Ohio State or Iowa could probably also sneak in if um, they were to win out and the cards were to fall right for them. And um, Oregon, of course, um, they definitely have probably, like, 
the easiest path to getting to winning out. It's just a matter of if the the right teams lose. Like if MSU, Michigan, um, Ohio State, Iowa all sustain like one more loss at least. Um, I think they definitely have the easiest road into the number four spot. And but um, there's a lot of teams I could compete for the number four spot. There's probably like five or six teams, and you know, obviously Wake Forest, Demon Deeks, go Wake Forest. <laughs> uh, for my four spot, you know, it's not really a um, like it's like a, a top runner, like you said. You know, I don't see Alabama staying at four. You know, because you know if they beat Georgia, they will move up. Uh, so for mine options I have Michigan as like my top option for number four. I also have Oregon and then and then MSU and then if you know my claim on Shader Shaw not folding under pressure, uh Ohio State. Oh God, I really hope Ohio State doesn't make it. See this is why we need expansion, you know, because teams like, you know, losing only one game and then like teams like Ole Miss who only lost right now is against Alabama. Yeah. But they're not going to make the – unless Alabama loses and they win out. Unless Alabama loses in the regular season and they win out, they're not making the – they're not going to get to make the conference championship. And they're having a Heisman candidate on their team who's ha- who's going to have really good numbers, and he's not he's not going to get a chance to win it all, which is, sucks, which is why we need expansions because the top teams like Georgia and Alabama and Oklahoma and OSU and all these other teams, they would need to win – like against tough opponents, they would need to like, and there would always be the possibility of them getting upset, especially in like years where the number one and number two seeds, like the gap isn't as big as it is now between, you know, like the number 10 team in the, in the nation or something like that. So I definitely, that's another reason for expansion. Just, you know, always the possibility that one of those number one teams could lose and like, uh, like a underdog Cinderella story could emerge. Yeah, like you said, uh, you know, the claim of Ole Miss, you know, not making to SEC. You know, even though Kentucky lost to like the number one team right now, you know, you also see Kentucky not having that chance for the SEC championship. You know, which like has them not out of the playoffs. And, you know, we just need the expansion. So these teams who like have a comeback year, you know, from like these like. Small, smaller schools from their conference, you know, even though they're not small, you know, they probably still whoop on people in the Pac-12. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, not uh, saying too much. <laughs> you know, but, you know, we just need that expansion to happen. You know, a one can lose to a 12, you know, we always, we see it in the, even in the NFL playoffs, you know, yep. mostly, you know, you mostly see like the number one not even making it to the, to this rule. Yeah. And the NBA playoffs, especially last year where there were a lot of, you know, underdog stories it coming up in the NBA playoffs. I definitely liked how the NBA has become. There's a lot more parity in the NBA than when it was just LeBron against the Warriors. But um, I think, especially with the playoff expansion, I definitely think a lot more parity could come into play for sure in the um, college football playoff. Also with that, you know, even when uh... – it was last last year, you know, the MLB expanded to a three-team wild card. You know, I feel like that is a better option than only a two-team. Yeah, there's because yeah. uh, there's always a possibility that even though the both 
even though, especially the Brewers against the Dodgers, that was just not a fair matchup at all. I definitely, there's always a possibility the number one team loses. You don't see it very often, but it just makes it that much harder for the same teams to come, keep coming like back to the top over and over and over again. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, I think that's, I think that's all like uh, the sports that's like, you know, uh, like expanded their playoffs for like the better. Yeah, we just need to see that in the, in the college, and in baseball. You know, they they need the baseball needs to bring it back, and the college needs to, you know, develop it. Into yeah, their the system. the top uh the top reasons for like the commissioners wanting to do it is obviously more revenue, and that would obviously create a lot of revenue, a lot more revenue than it already does because college football is one of the bigger enterprises in terms of entertainment in the U.S. and that just makes it that much better, especially with all these like high stakes games. It it becomes more less of a playoff and more of like the college football playoffs. Like, it's more than just three games. It's, like, 16 games or whatever it would be. And that would be awesome as a college football, a very avid college football watcher. But, anyways. And, like, even, you know, make it to a 16-team six, sixteen team playoff, you know, because you already have the New York Six. You know, you know, people always watch the New York Six anyways. You know, why not just have the New York Six with higher stakes as the college football playoffs? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, that I, time coming into like the like Christmas, New Year's, you know, yeah. it's you have Christmas, New Year's, and college football. That's that's like a staple, and NBA Christmas too, of course. There's always that, but I feel like that people are still definitely picking college football for the most part over NBA. And, yeah, and also the NBA needs to bring back uh, Christmas uniforms. Oh yes. I love Christmas mm-hmm. uniforms and better Christmas games. Put put the Trailblazers on. Never mind, not how they're playing right now. Please don't yeah. put the Trailblazers on Christmas games. Yeah. This year, you know, there's there's some pretty good games on Christmas. They always end up putting. They always put the Nuggets or the Jazz on Christmas games, and like that was back when like the Nuggets and Jazz were like five and six seeds, and it it those were boring games that were like at ten o'clock Eastern. So why not um, make those make that game a little earlier and put teams that we actually want to see in the Christmas playoffs game or the Christmas games? You know, like you know, you always see the Knicks playing, even though <laughs> well, the Knicks are like trash, but, one of the yeah. most like marketable and valuable franchises that in the world. So you know, of course, you know, I I finally got to watch like a Knicks game today. You know, sit down and, and like watch. And, I only watched like the first half ish. You know, that team is very exciting. Emmanuel quickly absolutely dropped Tyrese Maxey today, too. He almost dropped uh, Tobias Harris as well before that. <laughs> uh, yeah, next team could make, could make some noise. You know, even, you know, even with the with Taj Gibson coming in, you know, as a backup, you know, they're still very, like, a, you know, very, like, young. But, like, they also, like, all everybody plays with, like, so much heart and so much energy on the court. It's because they don't have a bona fide superstar. They just have a lot of dudes that are just hungry for, for a championship. Like when they, I'm not saying I'm not trying to criticize Melo. I'm actually like a a pretty big Melo supporter, especially since he's been on the Blazers. Now he's on the Lakers, obviously. But um, definitely when they had Melo, I feel like it was just all through Melo, and like nobody else. Everyone else kind of just checked out in the playoffs and kind of just gave it to Melo. 
but now it's just like um, it's kind of like the Hawks. I mean, the Hawks do have a bona fide superstar in Trey Young, but Trey Young spreads the ball out, and so do the Knicks. They like they share the share the load offensively. Yeah. You know, um. Your your thing on the Knicks. I feel like you can also have John Collins into that conversation of him becoming a superstar. Uh huh. Yeah, especially with him, he's he's becoming more of like a a defensive. He's always been a defensive presence, but it's just becoming more prominent now. And his offensive game is just ever like keeps getting better. Um, Hawks, I'm telling you, that's my Easter Conference Finals pick. Yeah, it, you know, I see them. You know, the most. You know, as I watch the season, you know, you see, you know, all these teams with the energy. You know, my top three right now. Hawks, like towards energy, you know, Hawks, Knicks, and the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, Hornets have been looking good. Lamelo looks like a, he looks like that dude. He's he's been shooting like threes. He's been shooting threes with volume and making them, which is pretty much makes him like very very yeah. hard to guard. Yeah, that's what people criticize him when coming to the league. Mm-hmm. But. I, you know, coming into this episode, we do need that finisher. Yeah. You know, Lamella Ball just, you know, I want to say too young, but, you know, he just has that young experience. Yeah, especially playing overseas. That helped him a lot. It, and he said it, like, in interviews. Like, some some people, like, going to college helps them better. But, like, for him, he needed to, like, mature as a player and as just a person. And going overseas and playing with dudes that like, like, slowed the game down for him, and you know, like, broke it back down to the fundamentals. I guess you would kind of say that. Definitely, he said that definitely helped him. I wish that happened with R.J. Hampton too. You know, he hasn't really showed anything. Yeah, R.J. Hampton disappointing. He, he's what he's like. He's got athleticism, and that's about it. He's like Dennis Smith Jr. in the way he has just athleticism, pretty much. At least he's on a on a pretty good team. Good team. <laughs> uh, talking. Speaking of athleticism, Jalen Green. Oh my gosh, he finally had his breakout game. Jalen Green. I'm telling you, he's going to be a super. A lot of people are saying like Zach Levine, Bradley Beal. I think he's going to be better than that. I think he's going to. I think he's got like top five player potential. Yeah. Just like he's just. He's lankier than Zach Levine, and he's way like more instinctive and better on defense, while being a con- as about as consistent of a shooter as Levine is at 19 years old, and just he plays the game 100 percent all the time. He's like when he gets a ball on fast break, he's always looking for the best play, whether that's him just flying down the court and using his like 84 inch vertical to dunk over everybody. Or, you know, he's a good – he's a great transition passer as well. So, I feel like Jalen Green's going to be that dude for the Rockets. And I think he's going to lead them to the championship in the next, like, five to seven years. Yeah, five to seven years because they developed their team because the team is not very uh, good right now. But, yeah, you know, it's... with that, that comparison of Zach Levine, um, I feel like if it fits right now because, you know, Jalen Green coming into – you know, you saw him as – you know, Zach Levine was that explosive, you know, dunker, you know, because he can get up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, now we see that Zach Levine's game has just evolved to that from him shooting. And then Jalen Green right now, you see him involving not just, you know, not just him uh, relying on driving the lane and, like, posterizing someone. You see him fall back and shooting. 
Yeah. That's why I see the comparison of him and Zach Levine. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to start doing, like, in the future, some, like, full player breakdowns in for all, like, any league, for NFL, NBA, MLB, college football, college basketball, whatever. That could be something we could do in the future for sure. I'll give you one. Cody Martin should not be in our <laughs> final – in our final uh, freaking starting five, <laughs> Cody Martin. You know, best watching that, on the Hornets. You know, watching that game against the Nets, you see Lamelo on the bench for like almost the entirety of the fourth, and you see Cody Cody Martin <laughs> on the floor. You know his twin is better than him. Oh my gosh! Uh, well, at least they won that game. The Nets are still like number five in the NBA power rankings, despite being one and two. <laughs> and you know, they, you know, they beat. They beat the Celtics, right? The Nets. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, they beat the Celtics. Yeah, yeah, that's that's just a win, you know. But yeah, you know, we should have beat the Celtics. Yeah, overtime kind of fell apart, but yeah, Jordan, Brown Jordan Hayward ended it. You know, Jordan Hayward ever pass before <laughs> the final, you know, really, really set that. And then Lamelo picking up his sixth foul, it just they just broke our spirit. Yeah, well, we're still be back. Uh, but be fine. No, we do fine. have the Easter Conference Player of the Week, <laughs> which is Miles Bridges. <laughs> Miles Bridges, he's he was known as like a dunker, especially for this, like his first two years. But he's actually become like a refined, like good scorer. He has, and that's why he won. Defense conference for the week. <laughs> all right, we get it. Now I don't, I don't know who won the it. West, but you know the East. All about That's Bridges. all that matters. Yeah. All that matters. All right, I think we're. Um, well, we'll end it here. Wait, 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 wait. Check well, the I... score for the Lakers. Oh, hopefully they're losing. Please be. Oh, losing. Austin, Austin Reeves is in, and they are losing. Dude, look at the Spurs. <laughs> what is wrong Lakers with this team? Are in turmoil. You know, they just don't. They don't have that chemistry yet. I guess Westbrook ain't gonna. Westbrook just doesn't work with that. Oh, they also they also don't have LeBron in this game, even though, you know, that's not an excuse. But you know, LeBron is that that factor in game. But at least we see Austin Reeves getting some playing time. Facts. The next Alex Russo for the Lakers. Oh my god. Oh wait, wait, wait! Before Austin Reeves, he just drained a three, dude. That's that's the next (laughs) Alex Russo. Alex Caruso is the is the best is the Michael next Michael Jordan for the Bulls. Nah, he's gonna be the best player in history for the Bulls. Alonzo's ranking of Alex Caruso looking better <laughs> by the day. <laughs> you know, even though he's not their league scorer. You know, I haven't watched a Bulls game, and that's because you know they don't televise the Bulls game. Yeah. I really need to watch a Bulls game on like on a on a legal site. I want to <laughs> watch that team. I just want to watch Alex Caruso again. I miss Alex uh, Caruso and Alonzo Ball. Mm, Lonzo. And this Lonzo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think this is where we're going to finally end it. Nah. Yeah, we'll just keep it going forever and ever. Yeah. Lonzo Ball, you said I put it. All right. We can finally end it. <laughs> uh, Next episode, Thursday, we'll probably dive into some more NFL things. You know, we'll uh, end MVP, probably some coach of the year stuff and just dive more into how teams have been doing this year but uh if this is definitely a longer episode we kind of got off track a little bit but you know that's that was your of, fault wasn't that's mine what, that's what we do <laughs> that's kind of what we do so uh if you made it this far congrats 
this is a long episode. But I knows um, you a cookie. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a cookie and a kiss. No one wants a kiss from me. Okay, we get it, Eric. Bye. Get it. <laughs> okay, I'm on my way. And um yeah, if you made it this far, thanks for listening and uh see you um Thursday next time. Go awesome, Reese.